You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. I'm no longer comfortable like this, so Pastor Jesus, please allow me. I'm feeling very, you know, those guys, they touched some buttons. <laughs> please help me give them a round of applause again. God bless you. That was awesome. But I'm going to take off my jacket. I was in, um, I'm more comfortable that way. Please help me appreciate Pastor Idris and Pastor Ogo for, so, you know, I can, is that how you appreciate, please stand on your feet and help me appreciate Pastor Idris and Pastor Help me celebrate my friends. As in Idris knows I love him um, with all of my heart. Uh, a lot. And uh, and um, some of you don't know, but I call Ogo my second wife. Is that not scary? <laughs> um, um, it's, a, it's a family that I, my wife, my kids um, love with all of our hearts. You know, every, as summer approaches, I, I tell my kids to write their plans for uh, the summer break because we sort of try to help them with goal setting and it also help us to figure out how to manage them. So, um, once they go on holidays, at the beginning of the year, write the things you want to achieve and the things you like us to do as a family and where you want to go and all of that. And, you know, just 10. And before you get to item three, go to Ogogo and Esosa's house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we always had all sort of battles about that. You can't go to Ogogo and Esosa's house, not this time around. But as in, it's not just that, you know, um, we have a strong relationship, even our kids love one another. And um, I think it was last December, we, we have a way of escaping Christmas, and we, at times we just spend Christmas together with some other families. I mean, it's just such a joy for me to have friends like that in my life, uh, who my kids can spend one week in their house, and I won't be worried, you know, whose kids can come and spend a week with us, and they won't be worried, you know, people who just like minds, who love God, who are passionate about living a life of service to God, and who you know, they've got your back. Please help me appreciate Pastor Idris and Pastor. Now I'm going to abuse him, because I don't know why he brought me here on Sunday. You guys have listened to Dr. Mensah Otabil, Pastor Luby Johnson, Pastor Godman, Pastor Jeff, you know, and then the grand finale, you know, asked me to come. Is it fair? Because, I don't know, I've been having sleepless nights. And just trusting the Holy Spirit um, to do what he does best. So I'm really, really humbled and that you guys have given me the privilege to be here uh, this morning to uh, be the last speaker, you know, and to speak to LifePoint. I don't take this privilege for granted. It's a reflection of uh, how much value uh, you place on the grace of God over my life. And I want to say a very, 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 very big thank you, Pastor Idris, and a very huge thank you to LifePoint for having me here. Please help me appreciate yourself. Uh, and I trust the Holy Spirit to do this morning what he does best. Amen. Amen. And, and so as, as I started thinking about today and thinking about this morning, you know, and asking, just pondering in my heart, you know, um, what it is that God will have me speak about and what, what it is that he wants to do at life point as we step into the second half of the year. I mean, you've heard 
powerful messages. Uh, people have been healed. Um, people have received direct instructions from God. Some people have enjoyed a measure of clarity. Um, some people have been strengthened and encouraged. They are stepping out of a place of discouragement. People have been um, inspired and fired up again, you know, and your faith has risen. And um, by next weekend, we'll be crossing into the second half of the year. And the question is, um, what, is what are you going to do differently? And what, what assurance do you have that as you step into this second half of the year, things are going to be different? What is the assurance? Um, it's good to be excited. It's good to be optimistic, you know, but up, there is no power... Uh, to change in optimism, if you know what I mean. I have a definition uh, for optimism that gets some people upset, but let me just um, shoot it out. Uh, I, I, I define optimism as what Arsenal fans have at the beginning of the season. Don't stone me just yet. <laughs> um, because at the beginning of every season, all my Arsenal uh, friends, they believe they're going to win. This is our season, you know? And that has been running for a couple of years now. And, you know, when you have, uh, when you have expectation that is not founded on anything, it's just your desire, what you desire to see to come to pass. Uh, when your expectation has no basis, what have you done? What have you changed? Who have you bought? And all of that. You call that optimism. So in case you, you struggle with uh, your ability to differentiate between optimism and faith, I've just made it simple for you. Because faith is founded on the word of God. But optimism, optimism is founded on just, you know, just positive anticipation. And everything will be well. We will win. <laughs> Hallelujah. And one day it will happen. You know, they say a broken clock can be right twice every day. It just stays on 3 o'clock. At some point it will be 3 o'clock in the morning, in the afternoon, and then it will be 3, 3 a.m., right? Even though the clock is just there. Am I bashing us now this morning? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't plan to start that way. Amen. But, but so the question is, what's going what's to change as we uh, step into the second half? What are we going to do differently? Uh, what understanding must we proceed with if we will succeed? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take um, quite a number of uh, Bible reading uh, scriptures, and I would like the multimedia guys to please Follow me. I'm going to start with the book of Acts uh, from the first chapter and the fourth verse. I'm reading the Amplified Classic Version. Amplified Classic Version uh, of the Bible. Acts chapter 1 from verse 4. And while being, the Bible says, in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Now, somebody say commanded. You know, command is not an advice. As in, don't leave Jerusalem. I'm warning you now. More, more like, you know, don't leave. It was a commandment. He commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for, the, for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you shall be baptized with, placed in, and introduced into the Holy Spirit. So when they were assembled, they said to him, Lord, is this time when you will reestablish the kingdom and restore it to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to become acquainted with and know what time brings the things and events of time uh, and their definite periods or fixed years and season, their critical niche in time, which the Father has appointed, fixed, and reserved by his own choice and authority and personal power. Now, it seemed like this was um, the last conversation Jesus had with his um, disciples. And when... 
They asked him a question they considered just really relevant to the subject matter. He just waved it aside. It's not, it's not your place to begin to you know, determine exactly what time God is going to do certain things. But I want you to listen. First, I want you to know I, you should not leave Jerusalem the way you are. The second thing is, uh, so he moved back to the subject. He just dismissed that and says, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. power. You're calling it like powder. I said, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. That still can get better. Somebody say power. power. Yeah. You know, you should call it like power. It says, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. Ability, efficiency, and might. I need somebody to write that down this morning. Power, ability, efficiency, and might. But you will receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria until the ends, the very bounds of the earth. And when he has said this, even as you were looking at him, the last thing he said, you shall receive power. And after he has said all of that, the Bible says, as you were looking at him, he was caught up, and the cloud received and carried him away out of their sight. So the last instruction that Jesus gave his disciples was, I have taught you, I have shown you, I have, you have lived with me, you've seen my life, you've experienced all of that. But I still don't want you, you know what to do, you have it in your head. Um, you've, 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 you've experienced it. In fact, there are times you've even gone out and cast out devils in my name. You have been my disciples, you've walked with me. But I still don't want you to leave Jerusalem. There is something that is still missing. There is something that is still you still haven't got yet. And because you have not gotten it, don't dare step out of Jerusalem. I'm telling you now, just stay put in Jerusalem until it happens. And then he then tells them what's going to happen. He says, you will receive power. Meaning that there was something, there was, there was an enablement that was required in order for them to be able to step out and do stuff. He says, and that power is ability, ability to get stuff done. That power is efficiency. Uh, ability to do, efficiency is ability to do a lot with little, okay? Um, that's efficiency. And you receive might, strength, you know, that's resilience, ability to push through. When the Holy Spirit, and it is when you have received that power that you should step out. And then you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all the part of the earth. Uh, in case you're wondering what the title of my message is, uh, I've titled it Unlocking the Supernatural. Unlocking the Supernatural. Or you can just remove the ING, Unlock the Supernatural. That's more like an instruction, right? So, Unlock the Supernatural. Unlock the Supernatural. And as he said that to them, last instruction, he took off. Now, the question is, there was something Jesus obviously knew, because Jesus doesn't play with words. There was something Jesus obviously knew about the Holy Spirit and the anointing that made him say what he said. Because while Jesus was on earth, he stayed on earth for 30 good years, and we did not hear anything about his ministry. He, he was just a carpenter. He was doing whatever it is he was doing. We don't know what it was. Maybe historians you know, can capture some of the things that he did, but we don't know uh, a lot about his first 30 years, right? Uh, until he went to John the Baptist and he was baptized. And the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove. And then, you know, uh, it was the Holy Spirit. And he driveth him into the wilderness. He prayed 40 days. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And he, after the devil tempted him, he came back. And the Bible said he came down with power, great power. And then the miracles started and people started following him. So Jesus had a very clear understanding of the difference between a believer who is anointed with the Holy Spirit and one that is not, in terms of capacity. So he said, look, I understand how these things work. 
You may know stuff in your head. You may, you may be strategic in your thinking. You may be, you know, you have whatever it is. You, 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 you're mentally tough. You're intelligent. You've gone to the best schools. You've acquired all of that. But he said, wait until you're endued with power. And Jesus himself had to wait 30 years until he was endued with power. So God enabled him with ability and efficiency and might to be able to do his ministry. How do I know that? Because the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, if you have Acts 10, 38, you can put it up. It says that how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and what? With power. Ability, efficiency, and might. How God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The only way Jesus was able to do the things he did was because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with what? He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And so when he was leaving, he knew that it was important for his disciples to be anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Now, let's think about this. Fast forward, uh, 2,000 plus years after. Uh, the case for us is not that you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit because we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. So I say to people, when you read uh, the book of Acts chapter 1 and you see where Jesus says, uh, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, remove the shall because the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You should say, I have received power because the Holy Ghost has come upon me. Right? Because when you read and you say you shall receive power, there's something in your mind that just says, oh, the power is coming. But you have received power because the Holy Ghost has already come upon you. You have received power means that you have received ability, you have received capacity for efficiency, and you have received might. That what Jesus asked his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for has been made available to you. So the question now is, I know in, in uh, um, Mission Possible, uh, you spoke about uh, um, the series you took, was it last month, right? Um, Jerusalem, Judea, utmost part of here. this writing from here. And, you know, all of that is drawing from the fact that you have been empowered with the Holy Spirit and you have, you have the toolkit to be able to go out there and preach the gospel. And I want to focus on that power dimension this morning. That you need to recognize that the supernatural is an essential part of your life. God never designed you to step out. God never designed you to do anything outside the supernatural power, that you are, you are designed, you are wired as a believer to step out conscious of the anointing and that in your daily engagement, the anointing is supposed to be a regular feature. It's not something you deploy when you are frustrated. It's not something you call for like a spare tire. You're supposed to walk in the anointing. You're supposed to function in the anointing. The anointing is supposed to inform your thinking. The anointing is supposed to equip you and enhance your natural giftings and ability. You're supposed to you depend on the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? That's what Jesus did. That was what he did. That was why he was able to function on earth. And when we don't allow the anointing to find that level of expression, well, we have put a limit on what God can do through us. And we begin to struggle because we're trying to do it by our power power, by our intelligence, by our education. by our, Now, those things are very useful, but there's a need, I'm going to get there in a moment, for, for us to function by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. Let's look at the church in the wilderness, um, the Israelites. The Israelites, very funny people, but, you know, when you study, you, I would recommend that you take time out and just read the book of Exodus again uh, with a little bit, just ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. 
uh, you would be amazed at the, 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 the level of um, similarity between the church in the wilderness, that's the Israelites, and today's current church. Now, when God removed the Israelites out of Egypt, take them to the promised land, God knew that there was no way they could cross the, red, the, the, they could cross the wilderness to the promised land without the supernatural. It was never God's intention for them to do it by their natural ability. How? The Bible said he led them by the way of the Red Sea. He was the one leading them. How are they supposed to cross the Red Sea? God knew that they would have to cross the Red Sea. There, they, there aren't enough ships, even if they, were, if they had ships to ferry them. How do you ferry three to six million people across the Red Sea? It doesn't make sense. But the Bible says God led them by the way of the Red Sea. So he knew that the supernatural had to be a regular feature. He led them into the wilderness where there was no food. And was leading six million people there. He's got that unintelligent. He knew that he would have to feed them. He knew that the wilderness, was, there wasn't going to be water. He knew they weren't going to have shopping malls where they could change their wardrobe. He knew they, weren't going to, they were going to deal with beasts and all of that. And he knew they were going to have to deal with the desert land. He knew it was going to be cold at night. If you've ever been to any of those regions where they don't have cloud, you know, in the day it's really hot, right? And at night it can be terribly cold. So, but God knew, was leading this, including children and, and all of that, into the wilderness. Think about this for a moment. God knew that the supernatural was, would have to be a regular feature, a, an everyday experience for the children of Israel. But it seemed like the children of Israel didn't understand that. They thought like they were on their own. They thought, you know, um, the, God wanted them to figure things out by themselves. And so it was frustrating for them and it was frustrating for God because they didn't know how to rely and rest and, and depend on, on the presence of God and, and rest on the supernatural and depend on the anointing. And so they struggled with God's leading. Once they confronted the Red Sea, they would make noise. Once they were hungry, they would make noise. Once they were thirsty, they would make noise. Even though there was a cloud of pillar of fire by night to keep them warm because God knew it was going to be terribly cold. And there was a cloud by day to shield them from the intensity of the sun just to help them to be able to navigate. Even though all of that was happening, they didn't interpret it right. They didn't know how to leverage the presence of God. And I see that same thing happen these days. That even though you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, even though you know that the greater one is inside of you, even though you know you have the Holy Spirit and you can speak in tongues, there are times when we don't just place a demand on that presence. And we say, oh, I can't imagine if I was in the camp of the Israel and I saw the fire by night and I saw the, the pillar of, you know, uh, cloud by day. Ah! There's no way I'll have doubted God. There's no way I'll have complained. There's no way I'll have murmured. Well, but you have the Holy Spirit. What you have is even more than cloud of pillar of fire. What you have is more than cloud. What you have is God is resident inside you, and you know it, and you believe it. Yet, it just seems like we don't place a demand. We're not able to rest. We're not able to draw on the fact that the supernatural dimension is meant to be a daily feature in our lives. That God did not intend, he did not design you to step out on your own. And he said it very clearly. And he expects you to function under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The same way he organized the children of Israel and provided for them. Gave them food, he provided them light and warmth. Even when they said they wanted meat, he made, Moses was so confused. Like, how are you going to feed all of these people? Are we going to kill all the cattle? God said, don't worry, I can sort this out. Am I not the creator of the universe? Hallelujah. So, I want you to recognize this morning that the supernatural has been factored into your life's equation. 
that when you step out every day, God knows that you cannot do it by yourself. He told us to stay back until you're endued with power. If you're going to be pursuing my purpose, now if you're pursuing your agenda, obviously you're on your own. You know what I mean? But if you're a child of God and you're pursuing God's purpose, God knows it's bigger than you. God knows you can't do it by your power. God knows you don't have enough intelligence to figure it out. God knows you don't have enough strength in you to push through. God knows you don't have enough. There are times when you know that you, you, are, you, are, you are limited in your capacity. I was telling them yesterday in church, was it yesterday? Yeah, when we were praying about, on, on Friday, sorry, about um, the fact that, you know, um, I, I was, Pastor Idris, you know about Angela Duckworth's book, Grits, and, you know, um, Bill Hybel's message on uh, the essentials of leadership essentials, when he spoke about being gritty and all of that. And I was just going through, you know, I was meditating about that in the course of the week, and I was just you know, saying to myself, you know, there are times when, when we do all of these things, like if, as a leader, you have to be gritty, never say die, you need to be able to push through and press through on situations and challenges and just never give up, you know, um, you refuse to be discouraged, don't take no for an answer and all of that. But the question is, does everybody that God wants to use have that level of grit naturally? You know, um, if you're going to cultivate that level of grittiness, if you like, you know, how, how long is it going to take you? But the Bible says in the book of Colossians how God will strengthen you with, in your spirit man by his Holy Spirit. That you may be unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. That you be able to endure things that people should ordinarily not be able to endure because the Spirit of God is in you. This has nothing to do with your ability to develop grit, just the fact that the Holy Spirit is present. Just think for a moment. <laughs> think about this. How do you think Paul? There is no human being on this planet, even including Paul himself, that they will finish stoning you and whipping you in one village for preaching the gospel. And you enter to another village and you open your mouth to preach. Your body will not cooperate with you. Because punishment is a deterrent. Right? If there's any psychologist there, you know what I'm talking about. The, when they have stoned you and all that, when you get there, your body will tell you that, are you mad? You, it's not. But Paul said something about the grace of God. I believe at some point there was an anointing. It was not Paul's natural ability. You can't be that stubborn. Forget it. It got to a point where he became numb to all of those things. It wasn't, he said the grace of God. I walked that grace, but it was the grace. That I could, they could stone me and I'll enter another city after they whipped me. And I'll start preaching the gospel again. And it won't bother me. And they will tell you, you're going to Jerusalem and they're going to kill. I say, what's that? Kill. It's not normal. If you thought Paul did that by his natural ability, you are mistaken. Paul knew to leverage the anointing. Yes, yes, and all of us have access to that same anointing. That's what I'm saying. The, the reason why you're counting yourself out like, I can't do this. I'm not that smart. I'm not that this. And I'm going to get there in a moment. is because you have not factored in the anointing. God knows when he called you that you are not that smart. And it's not a problem. You are smart. You know what I mean? God knows you are not that tall. God knows you are not that articulate. God knows you don't have that level of resolve and conviction and whatever. Peter didn't have it, but Peter got it. And he didn't get it by going to any school. He got it by the anointing. Because the Bible says they were ignorant and unlearned men. But there was something operating in them that they knew to leverage. And you have it in you. Hallelujah. So Israel was not limited because of their size. They were not limited because they had been slaves. They were limited because they did not appreciate the spiritual resources they had access to. They didn't bring that into the equation. The giants in the land, God knew they won't be able to conquer them by natural ability. You get what I'm saying? But he had, he had factored his presence into the equation. 
And that's why you see when Joshua led them across Jordan and they started taking out these countries, the, war, the battle was not natural. Now, how do you bring down the wall of Jericho by shouting? You know, and you see all sort of supernatural, if you see Joshua's battle, supernatural dimensions to their victory, which is what they could have achieved under Moses. But they refused to understand that when, as a believer, you structure your life after the natural order, you miss out on God's best for you. When you structure your life around just what you are capable of doing, you miss out God's best for you because God has not created you to be your own God. God has created you and resourced you to be able to do his assignment for you on earth. And he's given you the, he's given you the efficiency, the capacity, the ability. He's given you the efficiency and he's given you the might by his Holy Spirit to do it. So when you step out into the workplace and you are confronted with a challenge, you're confronting the situation. Recognize that God is not asking you to figure it all out. Leverage the presence of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of counsel is in you. The all-wise God is in you, and he's just about to do something. But are you going to allow him? Are you going to engage him? Or are you going to try and put all of that pressure on yourself? The Bible says to them that have no might, God increases strength. He knows you don't have it, but he will increase your strength. The Holy Spirit is ready to go. Hallelujah. So the Bible says in Isaiah 61, Jesus was referring to Jesus, and he spoke about how the Holy Spirit functions. He says, the Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he doesn't just, you know, open the door and sit down and start watching DSTV or watch, watching walk up in your spirit. He, he, he anoints you. He equips you. He empowers you to do awesome things. So he says, he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken. Just check out what the Spirit, the anointing. He said, he has anointed me to preach. So it means that the Holy Spirit gives you capacity to articulate and to reach out to people. He says, he has given me uh, the capacity to heal the broken heart. I'm going to get there in a moment to, to proclaim liberty to the captives, open up the prison to those who are bound. Supernatural stuff, things that you can't naturally figure out and do by yourself. The Holy Spirit has anointed me to do that, to proclaim that acceptable year of our God and the day of vengeance to our God, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful ashes. You know that kind of console is not belek belek because if I'm consoling someone by turning beauty into ashes, I, I, I mean, and, and sorry, Excuse me, not turning beauty to ashes in Jesus' name. He says, by giving them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, I'm changing people's situation. That's not Pele now. If someone has a headache, I know you're saying it's Pele. That's not comfort, the type that the Bible says. When it calls the Holy Spirit your comforter, the Holy Spirit doesn't uh, tell you Pele and to retain your pain. It tells you Pele by taking away your pain. Do you get what I'm saying? So he says, to comfort those that mourn by turning ashes into beauty, replacing it is, is power. It's not that type of comfort that we think. The oil of joy for money, for people who are mourning, I change their situation and turn it around, and they begin to rejoice. You know, I remove the spirit of heaviness, and I replace it with the garment of praise. That's a supernatural dimension of comfort. Now, you can't do that naturally. What we can, you and I can do by ourselves is to sit down with somebody who is mourning and say, Pele, and cry with them. The decision will not change. We just show what we call empathy, right? Which is, is great and it's human. But God is saying, I've not called you to show empathy. I've called you to comfort people. And the way to comfort people is to raise the dead, is to heal the sick, is to cast out demons. Hallelujah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The way to comfort people is to walk into that company and turn things around. The way to comfort people is to change their situation. 
He says that's what the anointing is for. But I'm going somewhere. So that is what the anointing does. It is the power of God that is accessible through the Holy Spirit. And it is supernatural enablement to do things that God has commissioned us to do. I summarize all of that as the supernatural enablement that God has given us to use to solve problems. It's the power to solve problems. Period. And it's, God gives you supernatural capacity to do that. And God always ensures he anoints everyone he calls. Hallelujah. That is so true. I'm going to say, I've had some experiences in my life, and I'm going to go back to back, back, back then. Not very long after I got born again. University. University. I remember there was a day I was, I was, um, I was going to school. I was going to school. Um, I just, I just, uh, it, was, it was a new semester. I was my 100 level. And it was late in the evening. Back then, I would like to get to school much earlier. I was in the University of Ibano. Great UIT, if anybody's here. Ah, that was weak. Yeah, you fell my hand. It's okay. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, so, so um, I would like to get to school like a week before school resumes so that um, I have time to pray, to meditate, and all of that. School is usually, typically, it's still a bit quiet. So I was, I was going into, I was already on, on campus. I was walking towards my hall. When I bumped into these two guys, apparently they are called guys. Uh, back then, all your money, I didn't open an account until I was seven. So all your allowances in your pocket and all of that. I, I saw them come in. I knew there was trouble. You know, I had my bags, everything. And they walked up to me. And, of course, they started trying to jack me up. And they were trying to harass me and all of that. So I stood there. In terms of frame and size, uh, I, I was no match. And I don't have any black belt. I didn't do karate or taekwondo or anything. So I was outmatched, outclassed when it comes to physicality and ability to, you know, physically get my way out of that situation. So these guys then wanted to start, you know, obtaining me and all of that. And I said to them, uh, there was a particular one who was really, I said to him, I said, you know what? There is nothing I can do physically to stop you from what you want to do. You want to take this money away from me, I'm going to take it. And there's nothing I can do. I said, but one thing I want you to note is that I didn't give it to you. You took it from me. I said, have you heard of the blood of Jesus before? I said, the blood of Jesus will haunt you. I said, if you take that money from me, you will take it all, but that blood of Jesus will haunt you and will deal with you. Oh, yeah, take it. The guy looked at me and said, ah, blood of, I've not heard about blood of Jesus like that. <laughs> As in, we became friends. We said, Jesus, they didn't collect anything from me. Be conscious of the presence of God. It has nothing to do with size. It has to do with what is inside you. When you are conscious of the anointing of God, you are not molestable. The devil cannot molest you. They know. I say this, you know, imagine a, a janitor who is a bodybuilder. You know how, you know, who is like those bouncers at parties, a janitor. And um, he's sort of, you know, at the entrance of one of these maybe 50 or 70 story high sky, skyscrapers. And the president of the company that owns that kind of bar is very short guy, just slim, and, and he comes out of the limo. Will the janitor not open the door? I say, is this your vice president? If I slap him now, he will die. <laughs> slap him. <laughs> just slap him. Do you understand? What I'm so, he is conscious of the power that tiny, slim, seemingly insignificant-looking vice president has. Is the power physical? No, his ability to make stuff happen. Yeah. 
Because if that guy looks at him and says, you're fired, he doesn't need to say much. He doesn't even need to shout it. He's like, you're fired, you're fired. You don't need to say, you're fired. <laughs> you are fired. Do you get what I'm saying? So this slim, tiny guy, you know, comes out of a limo, and the guy says, you're welcome, sir. And he opens the door and all that, and, and you're wondering, what do you mean with your size? What, what, what is it? And the guy is saying, why are you not in your uniform? What kind of nonsense is this? Da, da, da. And you're saying, I'm sorry, sir. And people are looking at see Mosu. See everything. But Mosu is not power. Real power is not tangible. So when you allow a situation to intimidate you, it's because you are looking at the wrong thing. Those guys were bigger than me, but it had nothing to do with frame. It's about the greater one that is on my inside. And we need to understand that we are anointed. Somebody shout, I'm anointed. anointed. And if you're anointed, then you are unstoppable. <laughs> you're unstoppable. So God gives us this unusual ability. Let me, let me just rush through this. I don't want us to you know, deal with this only from a standpoint of, um, what's it now? Um, standpoint of you know, um, power to deal with situations that are negative like that. It's also ability to press through challenges. Ability to, in an unusual way, deploy our skills. When God anoints, you know, I was reading the book of Exodus, and I was just trying to figure out, I've always wondered, how was Moses able to articulate those first five books like that? Come on, the attention to detail. How did he, how? Some things are just not human, unless we're just going to, you know how we just suspend our brain and just say, oh, it's a spiritual thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Just think about it. The book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, Leviticus. How was Moses able to capture all of those kind of things and articulate them to the point where we read those things and we have a clear picture of what happened? It was by the anointing. And you know how I know that? Because when God was going to refer him to Bezalel, let me just go there. This is bless someone. When God was going to refer Bezalel to him, there were two portions of the scripture where he spoke about Bezalel. Let me look for it. Let me look for it. Um, in the book of Exodus. There's Exodus 31, 2 to 6, but I'm going to leave that because he spoke about the fact that they had filled him with spirit of wisdom and that he was going to be able to do everything that they had told him to do, meaning that God anointed Bezali specially. But look at what he says in, verse, in Exodus 35 from 31. He says, And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Exodus 35, 31, 35. He says, he says he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic work, artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work all manner of artistic workmanship. It is God that has given him that ability, but he has anointed him specially. Now look at what he says in the next verse. He says, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach. So God didn't just give him the skill. He also anointed him so that he could transfer the skill to other people because he called him for that purpose. What I'm saying is that there are certain gifts that you have. You need to allow the anointing to settle on it because God wants to amplify it. You're going to be able to do so much more with it if you allow the anointing to flow over that, your ability. But when you suspend the ministry of the Holy Spirit when you get to work, when you don't, when you're not conscious, when you don't stay filled, when you don't stay anointed, you are, you are not optimized. The things that, when certain challenges come your way, God wanted them to come your way because he, it was supposed to be your stepping stone. When certain things happen, God knew those things were going to happen, but he, he's confident because you're anointed to deal with it. Are we together? And it's supposed to be your path to greater things. It's supposed to be how you score, like Pastor Mensah said, you don't overcome except something comes at you, right? It's supposed to be your pathway to greater things. But God 
always knew that he could count on you to, to enjoy victory because the Bible says he always causes us to triumph. Why does he always cause us to triumph? Because his presence is with us. Amen. Is somebody with me this morning? And so I've experienced the, spirit, the anointing of God in ways I, I... Okay, so, so, so let me speak about learning agility. University as well, learning agility, ability to comprehend. I was in class, and I was, I was taking a course called uh, plant... Is it plant pathology or plant anatomy? I can't remember now. You know, the anatomy of plants. I was a professor, I was taking... And, I just tell you how the professor stands in front of us, the first lecture, uh, and he begins to do all of that, and we're all confused, and we're just looking, as in, when he turned like any questions, we're like, we didn't even understand what you said. Maybe we could just figure out the conjunctions. It didn't make any sense. I, I, I couldn't figure out, and I looked at the eyes of everybody else in class, we were just completely confused. And what you could see in some people, I would just carry over, carry over, <laughs> carry over. There's no hope. By the time we did the next class, it got worse. And it was getting worse, you know, by the class. Everybody was just afraid. And the guy didn't seem to care. He would just come and show us all sorts of diagrams and talk. To and so one day, I, I stepped out of that class. And I, this can't continue. And I said, I have the spirit of God. I walked out and I said, I said to myself, before the end of this semester, I will not only be able to understand and fully figure out this course, I'm going to be teaching my colleagues. I'm going to be running the, the tutorial. As at that time, I was completely confused. So I went to the library. And I'm like, I have the spirit of it. The Bible says I have the spirit of a sound mind. I have learning agility. I can comprehend this thing. There is nothing too difficult for me to comprehend. And I settled down. I started reading. Believe me, at the end of that semester, I was running tutorial classes on that course. Place a demand on the anointing. I know what that just created a shift in my life. I, 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 you know, I say this to people. I, there is nothing under the sun. If I, if I sit down with you, fifteen minutes to talk about it, I will grab it. Not by myself. I, I have trained myself to understand. I will grab it. And I've been consulting for a couple of years now. And I go to an organization. I say, "What do you do? Oh, we build rockets." Well, they don't build rockets. You know what I mean? It just sounds really strange. I'm like, "Okay, run me through. You know, we want to do stuff for you." And I, I sit down and I begin to listen and. They are amazed the kind of questions I'm able to ask and how I'm able to help them figure out certain things because I have the spirit of a sound mind. It's an anointing. You can place a demand on it. He said he has anointed this guy to teach. He has anointed him to teach. And you see the anointing go through the scriptures, a time of filming, to talk about how the anointing manifested in different ways, in strength, in supernatural supplies, in dealing with adversity, all sorts of situations, in causing people to make decisions that look unreasonable. But because it was by the move of the Spirit of God, people would take steps and situations would turn around. Hallelujah. If you're here in this service today and you're dealing with things like, you know, you know a project is stalling in your hand, or you're in a debt situation, you know, it can, it can be school, you're not able to continue with school, or whatever it is, the project is just dying, something you want to do, you've not been able to get it through, and you've tried to push it, but, you know, um, you've abandoned it for a while, you know, abandoned projects and all of that. I'm telling you that there's an anointing in you that can make it happen. If it is God that gave you that assignment, know that that assignment is not meant to overwhelm you. 
is because there's a greater one in you. He wants you to write a book. You can do that book. He wants you to run a project. You can execute that project. It looks bigger than you know. You don't even know where to turn. Depend on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That was why God gave you the assignment. He knew that he had resourced you to do it. He's giving you the ability. He's giving you the efficiency. And he's giving you the might. That when things look stronger and tougher than you, you have, the, you have the, that resilience. The Holy Spirit will keep you assured. He will move things on your behalf. That if, if it's looking like you don't have enough resources, you realize that you have enough resources. Because the Holy Spirit gives you part of power, is efficiency, to do so much with so little. Praise God. At the time in my life, I think, I, I think uh, not long after we got married, you know, the, the first rent after we got married, the first rent due after we got married, I just realized that I, we, I didn't have enough cash to pay um, the rent, and the rent was due, and I was, you know, I, I hate stuff like that. I've never, <laughs> it's your first season of paying rent and all of that. And I remember I was just figuring out what, what was going to happen. And we, there was some money we had already that was, you know, well, what you could do was to go to the landlord and say, take this portion of the rent, right? And the Holy Spirit said, carry all of that money and go and bless um, our pastor there, Reverend Sam, with all the, what you, the one that you even have. Guys, it takes the anointing for you to do stuff like that. It just does not make sense. Particularly when you're not a married man. You get what I mean? Yeah? So I carried all of the money, I put it in an envelope, I went to church on Sunday, I'm like, okay, I'm in this situation. God is helping me to build capacity to depend and to rely on the supernatural. This is not going to happen naturally. That I'm even in a situation where I need to I need to be putting money together to pay rent. I need to break out of that. I don't ever want to be in this situation again. So it is not about this rent. This is about forever. And I went, and I remember saying, speaking to Pastor Sam Spear then. I said, I, I want to see nothing, just offering, but I don't want to drop it in a bucket. I don't want to hand it to you. I'm not going to tell him I want to rent. Never. I just I want to sow a seed in your life. That's it. And so I saw him. I was just walking into his car, and I handed the seed to him. I said, you know, just, just impressed my heart. I didn't tell him what the seed is, or the, but this was, that was everything. And back then, it was a fat brown envelope. I carried it like this with pride. And he held my hand. I prayed. I almost felt, you know, I, I, I think I just done two or three services. So the anointing on him was heavy. When he held my hand and prayed, I felt like falling down. But I, I stood my ground because of outside. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that God set me up. What I mean is, I don't know what, whether that was just really about rent. I think it was about many things. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And I'm going to get that in a moment. But see, the anointing has a way of moving you. The Bible talks about how the anointing teaches you all things. There are things you can't figure out. You can't plot your path from where you are to where you want to be. But if you re rely on the supernatural, he will guide you. He will lead you. You have encounters. Hallelujah. Let me quickly just begin to talk about how. So, because there are quite a number of things I, I can touch on just describing the anointing. But let me begin to talk about how. What, what, how do I become, how do I become, so I have the Holy Spirit already, so it's not like I, I don't have the Holy Spirit. How do I become the kind of person that is constantly walking in the consciousness of the anointing? And I'm, I'm constantly anointed. And when a situation confronts me, that's not why I'm trying to walk my engine up. I'm already anointed. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter if there are times you find yourself in that place because the beautiful thing is that you can go into your closet and engage the Spirit of God. But let's talk about the house. Number one, Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 8. It says, let your garment always be white. And, and what? Let your head lack no ointment. Let your garment always be white. And let your head lack no ointment. Don't ever allow yourself to function without being anointed. Don't, don't step out. Be anointing conscious. Be an anointing addict, if you know what I mean. Be 
constantly ensure that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're conscious of the presence of God. Now, that's very tough these days because there's just so much happening out there. So much going on on social media, so much of TV, so much of cinema, so much of newspaper, so much on YouTube, so much on that. that. Oftentimes, we have consumed enough of it as our body, our minds are fed with junk and our spirit is not sensitive. Not that you're a sinner. It's just that you're no longer as sensitive as you're supposed to be. You're no longer as God-conscious as you're supposed to be. Because your mind is locked, is locked, jammed with all sorts of stuff. But the Bible says, let your head lack no ointment. Meaning that you have to put yourself in a position where you're constantly in tune. So that you can hear clearly and you can act promptly. Praise God. So in Ephesians, and that's the text I'm going to build on as I begin to wrap up. Okay, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 17, follow me. It says, therefore, do not be unwise. Tell someone, don't be unwise. When the Bible says you should not be unwise, then you want to be wise. So what is it to be wise? He's saying as a believer, this is written to the church. There is a way you can live and you are unwise. And if you follow the story of the ten wise and foolish virgins, you know how unwise people end up. They always end up outside. They always end up losing out. They always end up not getting it. They always end up not obtaining. Unwise people always miss out. So he's saying, as Christians, don't be unwise. He said, but understand what the will of God is. You need to understand the will of God. And look at how he links all of this together. Understand what the will of God is. And then immediately jumps to say, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. That is being unwise. But be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. So again, it begins to talk about being filled with the Spirit. Now, the people he's talking to, excuse me, are already filled with the Spirit. So he's not talking about be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, stay full. Stay conscious. Stay anointed. And he says, how do you stay full with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to God. Be God conscious. Let him be your meditation. In, in his law, I meditate day and night. We say at our closing chat, right? When we say our closing chat, that his word is constantly in my mind. And I'm, I'm, I'm singing hymns and songs. I, I create an atmosphere around myself where I am just God conscious. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what I, I decided to do. I first heard this from uh, Dr. Mike Modok. And then, you know, I was having a conversation with PJ at some point, and he also mentioned stuff like that. And I've tried it, I realized that it's just amazing. Because I've gone through those seasons like everybody else where you're anointed, you're not so anointed, you're anointed, you're not so anointed. You know what I mean? And, you know, you get results, you don't get results. And you just feel, come on, you know, what's happening? It's, this is not meant to be. And I realized that Mike, Mike Modok once said, he said, I don't allow the world to dictate what I see and what I hear. I choose, I create my environment. The Bible says it's your responsibility to be filled with the Spirit. They say the church will help you to be filled with the Spirit. You are going to stay filled in the Spirit. Nobody can help you figure that out. You know what happens when you get to work. You know what happens when you're, when you're traveling, when you're on an 18-hour flight or 8-hour flight. And all that. You know what happens. You know what happens um, when you're tired and exhausted and you want to have fun. You know the kind of fun you have. You know the things that engage your mind. And he's saying, take responsibility for your environment. So what I see... Does it inspire me? Does it strengthen my spirit? What I listen to? Uh, how much of God's word am I paying attention to? And how am I creating an environment that helps me to stay filled in the spirit? So I, I, I have headphones. If I go somewhere and what is happening, I'm not interested in it. I just put my headphones on and I'm listening to worship music. I'm listening to some good gospel rap, praise God. I'm listening to some fantastic message. But you're not going to dictate to me what I hear because you can go to places and they're doing uh, leg bag, leg bag, those kind of things. You know, and before you know it, you're going home and you're just doing leg bag, leg bag. Because I didn't start your mind. I don't know what I get what I'm trying to say. I, you know, I, 
maybe language where is harmless if, there's, if there are other things in your spirit already. But when you have not studied the Bible, you have not spent time praying, and all you are hearing during the week is shocky, shocky, legwebe, legwebe, it's more dangerous. I don't know why I get my point. Yeah. Because somewhere along the line, you're going to bump into it one way or the other, whether you like it or not. But you see, it should meet something that has already settled in your heart. And so it doesn't have impact. But when that is all that is there, then you are, you, you are, you, you are going to just going to lose complete consciousness of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why Christians make a compromise? Let me say this. And I'm going to... See, <laughs> you can... A Christian can backslide in a way that can forsake God in a way that he never bargained for. And the reason is because when you walk outside the anointing and some situations confront you, your immediate need for succor can drive you to places you didn't believe. Some people have gone to shrine that never knew they were going to go to shrine. Maybe they joined politics and all of that. And they were just nominal Christian. Then one day, they realized that there were forces arranged against them. And things are happening. And, and they're already exposed. And they need to do stuff. They don't even know how to retrace their steps back to God. And someone is saying, there's a Baba day here. If you just drink this uh, lizard's blood, they mix it with whatever, you'll be okay. You better quickly see this man now. Because they have, they have gone to this. They've done this over you. And the guy is so afraid because he knows he's abandoned God. He's at a place where everything is dry. At that point, he doesn't even know like Saul. He doesn't even know how to retrace his steps back to God. He, and then he, because of the need for protection and the fear that has gripped his heart, he's going to go to that Baba shrine. I've not seen people who are maybe trusting God on the foot of a woman because of pressure from extended family, just no response. After a while, they're just going to make the compromise. They didn't start out there. It's because they lost consciousness of the anointing. You can't be that kind of Christian. So stay filled, praying and, 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 and fasting and worshiping God. It's important. Spend time. It's in this second of the year, put yourself on a program. I want to stay filled. I have my headphones I have my messages. There are fantastic messages that have been preached here. Fantastic messages that you should listen to over and over and over again. Your notes are filled, but you need to engage these things. Stay filled. <laughs> we've, not, there's no, we've not paid DSTV in my house this year. And watching TV is not a sin. It can't be. It was because of my son. He's writing his exams. And TV is a major distraction for him. Major, major. We've tried all sorts of methods. Uh, TV only weekend, TV, you know, it's not worked. So we just had to say everybody's going to sacrifice for him. So I, I had to call my daughter. It's because of Dara that all of us are not watching TV. Is that okay? Uh, we love him. We want him to pass his exams. So let's just forget the STV. And everybody's fine. And I'm just amazed, even for me. Like, wow. Wow. That the noise level in my head has gone down. Just a greater level of clarity. I don't know whether you get my point. Because all of that attention is going somewhere else. Somewhere else. Pray fast. Create, just let that steady inflow of God's word in your spirit, in your car. Play good CDs. Play good music. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says you're going to get to a point where you just find yourself humming, you know, Christian song. You find yourself praying in the spirit. Saying, you are ever ready. Ever ready. A situation arises, you, you have response immediately. You lay your hands, you speak. You are ever ready. You're not saying, I'm coming. You are ever ready. Hallelujah. Uh, number, so I've sp spoke, spoken about creating an environment, praying and fasting and worshiping God. We fast once every week, right? I hope you guys fast. You know, um, fast means from morning till five. 
not till 2 or 12, real fast. What do we do when we fast? We put the body under, become more spiritually sensitive. That's what happens. If you do that once a week, it puts you in a very good place. You know, you're God conscious. Number three is to desire it earnestly. Um, and I'm about wrapping up. To desire it earnestly is to, to ask God for it. In Acts chapter 4, something happened to the apostles that I found really interesting. God was still doing awesome things in their midst. In fact, they arrested them because they just did a miracle. So it wasn't like power was not flowing. But they threatened them in a way that they shook them. They threatened Peter and those guys in a way that it was apparent that the establishment was, was out to crush them. And they just knew that, no, we don't have enough in us to do this. So look at what they said. The prayer. When they gather together, Acts 4, 29. They says, now look on their threat. This thing is serious. And grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by doing what? Stretching out your hand to heal. That signs and wonders. So they were saying, Lord, turn it up. What we have now, we can't, we can't handle what's going on. We need more boldness. We need more courage. We know we don't have it. You need to recognize this. The apostles were just regular human beings like you and I. But they knew what they could depend on. They were like, you know what? We need you to turn it up. So they said, you know what? Uh, um, grant your servant that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders do done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. But beyond that, what happened? They were, they were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Again. God turned it up. And the Bible says, they, then they went out and spoke the word with boldness. So they knew how it worked. That man, what I'm confronting now, I need a new order of anointing. There's nothing, no joke about it. Pastor Jesus was just talking about mainland church. <laughs> Let me tell you this. They are very honest. When our guys started talking about second service, when one meeting, everybody was saying, I looked at all of them. I was like, I don't share this people's excitement. I don't know what I didn't know. So I called uh, my deputy resident pastor, Pastor Bola, and said, I said, you know, second service is more human beings. So more human beings, more issues, more marital issues, more counseling, more. The way people are talking about it, like we're just gathering, like they're just numbers. I'm like, do you know what it takes to lead and counsel and deal with people at that level? I said to him, I said, I, I know it's inevitable, but I need to be ready for it. I just feel right now it, it, it's coming across as a bit overwhelming because just running this with about 800 at that time, I feel the demand, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. So I was like, I just feel I need to be ready for it. And I'm not saying we're not proceeding, but I, I want everybody to know because I want everybody that's saying, well, let's just we're starting second service. I want everybody to start thinking like that because it's work. Oh, I can't drive them away when they start coming. You get what I mean? It's work. Oh. I like to be a realist when it comes to things like that. So that I can say, Lord, anoint your son afresh. And I, I just said, God, help. 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 Turn it up. You get what I mean? Turn it up. The capacity is not, it's not something I possess naturally, but there's an anointing that can compensate for it. I can help you to do this. Hallelujah. And finally, so I've spoken about how many things. I want to know whether you're listening. How, uh, three, right? Finally, seeds to people to provoke grace and anointing. I, I, 
The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, from verse 6 to 8, listen to this. It says, let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Follow. Because usually we, we take the next verse and leave this. But this is what he said. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that you also reap. He was actually, that was a, con a continuation of that statement. That there's a measure of grace you receive when you recognize people who are teaching because something flows to you. It says, for he who slows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Matthew 10, 42, 41 to 42 says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Pastor Idris and I, we are an amalgam of all sorts of anointings. I, I know that for sure. Because the pastor is a giver. And he recognizes graces. And I've learned that. I'm a mixture of all sorts of anointings that has given us that measure of acceleration and ability to express ourselves at a level that we didn't have to labor for because that people already are operating at that level of grace. All that has to happen is just tap into it. You are not helping the preacher. He's blessed. <laughs> I'm telling you. But the thing is, you are recognizing as a grace over this life. And because I know that I'm also preparing myself for some heavy lifting, I want to tap into that grace. So I can function. I can be more efficient. I can, I can engage more ability, more efficiency, and more might. And the way to do that is to plug. I always say to people, I find it interesting, like this Accelerate Conference. I say Conference is coming. I'm preparing my seed already. I know men of God are coming to town. What are you talking about? I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid. So all those powerful things they're teaching, you're just, you're just going to clap and shout and let them go. They're not broke, but it's, it's graces in the house. Are you going to sow seeds into their life? They've communicated to you. Are they going to bless you? Are you going to, are you going to collect a fresh level of grace so you can take off? You know, Pastor Idris is very jovial. He, he throws shades at people. He throws at me. He throws at you guys. And some people, all they've thrown to Pastor Idris in this church since they came in shades. Ah. I'm telling you. You are missing. Don't mistake people's simplicity because we carry this treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible says. In earthen vessels. What you see is what you get. I've come to realize that. What you see, the same set of people that were saying to Moses, who the hell are you? You think you can just run this thing and all of that until God dealt with them. Because that's what they saw. They just saw a man. I'm not saying we should worship human beings. I'm never into anything like that. But I'm saying recognize grace. Recognize grace. When I, people who God has placed in my life who bless me, I'm constantly seeking opportunities to bless them in return, to tap into grace. And I've seen how God has used that to multiply his anointing over my life. Don't be someone who just walks by people who are graced. What it means is that your, your spiritual sensitivity is low. It's one of the ways you can also check how spiritually sensitive you are, that you're not even sensitive to stuff at all. You just see everybody as normal. Not everybody is normal. Let me tell you, under standard temperature and pressure, we all look the same. But let something happen in this place. I'm sorry, Jesus, I'm sorry. Let me tell you an interesting story. Myself and Allah, my wife, um, started going out in the university and all of that. One night, late at night, we were reading in the uh, common room upstairs in, in uh, what do you call that? Uh, um, uh, what do you call that? Student Union building. Studying at night and all of that. 
the middle of the night. Now, the place was filled with people like everybody reading. There are some people who were just doing lovey-dovey. Some guys with them, oh, show me your muscle, you know, bearded guys, you know. And they were all, and then around 2 a.m. or something, we heard a noise. And, you know, some people were chasing someone. The person was screaming, you know. And I was reading. A lot was beside me. I looked up, and the room was empty. See guys jump window everywhere. The place was empty. And you know what I found interesting was it wasn't that I walked it to sit down there. It didn't even occur to me to run. I was like, is it not human beings that are running and shouting downstairs? How does that bother me? I, 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 I realized that look, what is in you affects how you respond. It affects how you respond to things. Somebody comes in here, is possessed with the devil. He walks in here and he begins to shaka, shaka. Some people, they're going to take off. Now, they <laughs> where is P.I.? P.I.? All eyes on P.I. They come and cast out our pastor. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are anointed. And you can do it. Reverend Francis Wallach was saying at Wapek, I watched on YouTube how they brought a lady who had issues. I don't know how many people that watched it. To him, he was rushing out for a meeting. and So he said, he didn't really have time. They had to wait for him to come back. And told his uh, secretary or something, please just handle them while I come back. He said, by the time he came back, his secretary had done the job. The lady was delivered, healed, everything was fine. So when he came, he said, so what's the issue? There's no issue anymore. Your secretary sorted it out. I said, that's an anointed secretary. And that secretary will say, ah, pastor is coming. Sit down. <laughs> just sit down there. But his secretary engaged. Minister, everything done. So the pastor said, hey, if he's done, <laughs> you can go. Your neighbor stay anointed. Now, so if you do these three things, it doesn't have to be just these four things. Seeds to promote grace, desire earnestly, study God's word as pray and, and control your environment. You will be amazed that this same you will not look the same way. You can't stand before God every day and spend time praying. You can't you can't be in his presence, worship him, and, and you step into your day and not and then let me just drop this in when it comes to that fasting and prayer. You know what also happens? Let me just say this. What also happens is I realize that you can start your day very charged and you can lose steam because we need to recognize that God is part of our life. There's a the cultivation of God's presence. So I'm at work and, I, and I, can, I can consciously pray in the spirit for a few minutes. I'm at work and I can put on my earplugs and just listen to worship music. That just increases my consciousness of God's presence. You know, the Bible says that um, 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 who has redness of eyes? I can't remember which psalm it is. It says they that tarry at the mingling of red wine. The problem with um, when you want to stay filled with the spirit is in order for you to keep it topped up, you need to keep servicing it. You know, if you see a real drunk, they put bottle under their armpit. They don't stay far from the bottle because it will wear out. No matter how drunk you are, over time, it will wear out. The Bible says the person that has redness of wine, it says, is they that tarry at the mingling of wine. When you stay near the wine, you stay drunk. So what it means is when I'm at work, you know, do I have my phone with messages and all that? I can just plug it into one here. Or do I just take time when I'm having lunch, I'm listening to worship music, or I'm just deliberate about, you know, initially to look mechanical, after a while to be a part of your life. My headphones are always with me, you know. Um, I, 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 any moment, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm just trying to consciously be aware of the presence of God, and I'm in tune. And it helps. It helps. It helps. Hallelujah. Has someone received anything this morning? Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's rise on our feet and just lift up our hands and ask God to top it up this morning.
top it up this morning. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 4 that when they had prayed, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Someone just lift up your hands as we worship God and say, Lord, anoint me afresh, anoint me afresh, anoint me afresh as I step into this new season. As I step into this new season, can, can, the, can the choir just give us a worship song? As we pray, just, just lift up your hand and express your desire for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday is gone. Today is a new day. It's a new season. And the Spirit of God who dwells in you wants to top it up. He wants to fill you afresh. He wants to fill you afresh. He wants to fill you afresh. He wants, to, he wants you to walk in a new anointing, a new level of power, a new level of grace, a new level of wisdom, a new level of comfort, a new level of ability, a new level of might, a new level of efficiency. That thing that this first half of the year looked difficult, looked impossible. God wants to make it look cheap to you this, this second half of the year. What you struggled with at the beginning of this year, God wants, wants it to come to you easy. Uh, the, the asses, those things that were missing, that you lost, uh, God wants it to those things to come back to you, to be fully restored with bonus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So I want to just lift up your hand uh, and receive a fresh anointing of the Spirit of God. Nobody needs to lay hands on you this morning. Nobody needs to lay hands on you. You need to just recognize that the Spirit of God is here. Maralamarushta. And you just want to express your desire for a fresh infilling that you are coming out of this weekend a totally changed man. The Bible says that when the oil, the anointing came upon Saul, he became another man. He became another man. He became another man. Another man. Another woman. That stepping out of this place, you will be bold to lay your hands on the sick. You will be bold to speak to mountains and they will be moved and be cast into the sea. That this time around, you are unstoppable. You are irresistible because of the Holy Spirit and His anointing at work in your life. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, I got a bottle of the 
categories of people. One is uh, people here who um, you're, you're in a very tough place. Really tough place. Materially you, 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 need to, you, need, you need to break into a new level financially that things that you're pursuing but it, it just looks that you're overwhelmed either with death or with, with, with you're not, you, don't, you don't have the capacity to push through you know, because you're, you're so, somewhat starved of funds. And God is saying to you that you need to, um, you need to stop despising what you have. Um, the, the loaves of bread and fish, uh, the little jar of oil, that he, he, that's what he's going to use to bring that increase. But you need to pay attention to it, not just by being strategic and all of that, but by leveraging the anointing. That the anointing on God on what you have can produce what you need. And God is going to begin to give you instructions. But you need to first become conscious of what you have. Because you've lost sight of what you have. And because you've lost sight of it, you're not even, you're not even presenting anything for God to breathe on. You're not presenting anything for God to use. Um, that oil that the woman had who was in debt was something of value. If you read another translation, Bible, it says, what of value do you have? What, what of value? There's something of value that God wants to breathe on. Now that you are anointed, now that the anointing of God is on you, he's saying, you know what, you need to, you need to be sensitive to what you have. And put that thing in my hand. Hand. Put that in my hand. Watch as I breathe on it. Watch as I multiply it. Watch as I open doors for you. Watch as I as I cause it to increase. Watch as I cause men to recognize it. Watch as I use it to open bigger doors. Uh, you're, you're, you're in a job right now and you don't like the job, but you, you, you have a bad attitude on the job. You're, you're not even, you know, there's someone that is going to walk into that office and is going to meet with you. And that person is your door. If you have a bad attitude because you're not well paid, your salary has not been paid and all of that, well, you, you, what is it that you have? What are you doing? What is the anointing of God saying? How should you function in that place? What are you doing? What are you doing in your office? What are you doing with your CV? I don't know, but I just want you to recognize that the Spirit of God is saying there is something around you. You need to pay attention to it. I want to breathe on it. I want to multiply it. I want to use it to open doors. But what I'm going to use is not outside of you. It's around you. You need to pay attention. I need to pay attention and allow me to work, uh, work on that and work on that. I, th 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 there's another category of people and it's, it's about things that are just slowing you down. Uh, 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 like like limi limitations, weights and sin and that you're almost tired of, you know, stuff like that. And God is saying, you know what? I, his word says, be strong in the Lord, not be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord. Can you rest on the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Can you rest? You know, Paul says, even when I'm weak, I'm strong because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. You know what? Why don't you quit that struggle and depend on the anointing? Just throw yourself into God's hand. Throw yourself into God's hand. Say, Holy Spirit, I am your temple. Feel me. Empower me. Strengthen me, my spirit man. Help me to be able to mortify the desires of the flesh. Change my desires. Change my desires. Let them align uh, with your word and your will in the name of Jesus. God is saying, just press into me. Press into me. Press into me. I'm going to turn things around. I'm going to turn things around. Are you as a city that is set upon a hill and you will not be hidden in the mighty name of Jesus. I see you as you step into this second half of the year. You're running through troops and you're leaping over walls in the name of Jesus. You will go out with joy and you'll be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills will break forth before you into singing. You're going to be in 
league with the stones of the field. My God will satisfy you with his favor in the mighty name of Jesus. Concerning you, nothing missing, nothing broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we give you thanks. We give you all the praise. Can I just pray quickly for someone you're here in this service and you're not born again? I mean, we can't begin to talk about the anointing when you don't even have a relationship with God. Where, you know, we, you, you need to get into fellowship with God. God loves you so much. He's been chasing after you for all these years. In fact, before you came into this world, he ensured that his son Jesus Christ had died for you to, ensure, to, to guarantee your salvation. And so he's saying to you this morning, I want, I want you to come to me. I want to save you. I want you to become my son. I want to bless you. I am the author of your life. I can help you figure it out. I can let, help you optimize your life. Help you live a life of purpose. Cause you to be everything that you have ever desired to be and even much more. Because I was the one that fashioned you. And before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I called you for a purpose. And he's saying, put your life in my hands. And watch me do wonders through you. I, I, I want you to put your right hand on your heart this, this morning. If you're in that category, you're not born again or you're once born again but you're backsliding, just put your right hand on your heart. God bless you as you do that. God bless you as you honor his word. Don't be shy. Many of us in this place have said that prayer and we don't have regrets. Our lives have not remained the same since we said that prayer. No regrets at all. We are so blessed. We're so privileged and we've seen the goodness of God and we're inviting you into this community. We're inviting you to this place and if you're once born again but you're backsliding, you know you need to be back in fellowship with God. So just join them and put your right hand on your heart. I see you. God bless you as you do that. I see you. I see you. I see you. Please help us this morning so that I'll be able to reach out to you appropriately. Would you lift up your other hand so we can see you. I know that you're saying this prayer this morning. Just be bold about it. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. Just lift up your hand. Lift up the other hand. Lift up the other hand. If your hand is on your heart, just lift it up. Lift it up. God bless you. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the beginning of a new day. Hallelujah. Would you say this prayer after me? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of my sins. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And I believe that you raised him up for my justification. This morning, I declare Jesus as my personal Lord and my Savior. Wash me clean which is with his precious blood. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for saving me. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for everyone under the influence of this service that has said this prayer. We destroy the hold of sin over their lives. We declare in the name of Jesus that they are translated from darkness into light. We declare that they are established in your courts and that their life brings forth fruit to the praise of a glorious name. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your saving grace. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And everybody shouts, Amen. 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 If you said the prayers, I'm sure the counselors have reached out to you. Um, and um, they want you to follow them, right? Or you just will see you after the service. All right, please jam your hands together and celebrate God as you take your seat. And thank you so much for having me around. Thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.